Prepare to be bundled up in the opulent bliss that is Baby Ray. Welcome, Baby Ray. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> What's so funny? It's just a bit weird because you're actually opposite me. <laughs> so welcome to our house. But yeah, we're currently on the bedroom floor in our house with our dog asleep next to us. So... I think this might actually be a little bit more unusual, maybe more uncomfortable than the other interviews. Um, I don't, wouldn't say uncomfortable. It's got a unique element to it. Let's say that. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk um, some burlesque, shall we? Let's. You are one of the most dynamic performers on the South African burlesque scene. And I'd like to know, and I'm sure um, the audience would like to know, our listeners, how did you initially discover burlesque and what were your first impressions of the art form? Well, first of all, thank you so much. <laughs> um, so I, well, you know, we might as well just jump right into it, I suppose. I, I was in a, a really bad relationship, actually. In, and then I just recently broken up with them. And then I had gone to Africa Burn. So Africa Burn is kind of South Africa's version of what's it called burning, of burning man. man yes of burning man so it happens once a year here too and it's in the desert and it's amazing but anyway so I was walking through the desert with my friend at the time and I saw these warm glowing lights in the distance on the horizon and as I walked closer and closer and closer I heard this music and I felt this energy and then when I looked up I saw these performers doing what I later on realized was burlesque. But at the time, I had no idea what they were doing. I just thought that they were radiating a kind of magic and mystery and beauty that I had, up until that point, never experienced before. So I was hooked. Honestly, I was hooked. And then luckily, actually, when I got back home, a friend of mine had mentioned that she had started burlesque class and so I was like well what is burlesque and then she told me and she kind of explained it and that's when I realized that actually that's what I that what, what I had seen at Africa Burn and so I quickly enrolled in the same class as she did at the, at the Rouge Review burlesque company and that's when I began I guess learning burlesque. So upon uh, finding and discovering this art form in the middle of the desert, mm -hmm. which is funny because, like, that's sort of where Beehoff started in the desert. Um, and Dirty Martin and I actually spoke about, like, what that experience is like uh, to go and see glamour in such a barren, yeah, <laughs> yeah barren landscape. Oh, and, of course, it. burlesque is, like, far from barren. <laughs> so after discovering this, you joined a troupe, um, the Rouge Review Burlesque Company. Mm -hmm. So what were some of the aspects about burlesque that attracted you to the art form? I mean, apart from this kind of magical, nameless feeling that I discovered while watching these women on stage, what attracted me, I suppose, the most was that at that point, 
just coming out of this rather bad relationship, I was feeling so disempowered and so removed from my body and from my sexuality that in this moment to look up onto the stage and find these empowered like goddesses with bodies of all types and sizes and varieties just killing it on stage uh, like in, in a moment where I felt so disconnected from my body I just for me it was completely awe-inspiring that these people were just taking complete ownership of their bodies with such confidence and such conviction in front of a desert full of strangers and that to me was the initial hook I suppose that brought me along to the world of burlesque so then when you started the classes of course there's so many different types of burlesque Mm -hmm. um in the world and so many different ways to express yourself on the stage like what are some of the influences and interests in your own life and in your own personality that you brought out in the creation of baby ray so when i first created baby ray uh, I was very into a particular type of aesthetic. I I think I still am to some extent, but I think it's matured since um, the first putting together of, of Baby Ray's characterization. I was highly influenced and inspired by Lana Del Rey. And so I would often perform solos to her songs. And to be honest, I was I was using burlesque as a as a way to work through feelings that I had about this breakup, and about other relationships that I would then have for a couple of years. In the first couple of years that I was doing burlesque, and so I really I, I was kind of like an internet sad girl, and and I was working it. You know that was kind of the narrative that I was telling, and it was often about me on stage. Eventually, towards the end of the song like ripping my clothes off in a kind of moment of having found my power again. Mm -hmm. So it was often a kind of like sad, woeful story tale that ended in my complete empowerment and like almost just taking full ownership of my sexuality towards the end of that. And then walking off the stage like like I owned the world. And that for me was very healing. It was very therapeutic to tell, to tell a kind of story like that. Also, walking off the stage just reminds me of a tagline that I often use from you, well, use for you. She owns everything, which of course came a few years after you started walking onto stage and then leaving the stage owning everything. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of like the chicken and the egg, which came first. Yeah. (laughs) This legendary, uh, like this iconic saying, or, you know, Baby Ray, the movements of, like, women owning their space on a stage. Yeah. And it's really interesting, you know, now when I actually look at my my last couple of performances, it's different because I did used to I used to start my solos often I was on the floor or my face was covered and I would grow on stage um until I was strutting. Now I actually find myself strutting onto stage and I strut the entire time and the energy just goes more and more and more and more and more up until the point where I am strutting off. But it's more it's more than strutting at this point, you know, I'm like flying off because I do believe that I own everything. I do believe that I own the world and I own myself. So that's interesting to see like the, I've never actually thought about it, but yeah, I did, I was telling that sad internet girl like narrative where I would start small and now I start big 
and I think it has changed my characterization and I think my performances are better for it. Cool, because that was actually the next thing that I was um, going to ask was how would you say that your presentation today differs from when you began? Yeah, so there's that, there's that element um, of the actual physicality, using my body differently on stage, um, using my body differently to tell a story, which I don't believe that you have to tell a story in burlesque at all. But also I think that my my sensibilities, my aesthetic has matured to some extent. I used to be quite rigid in what I would allow myself you know, to wear within my character. Whereas now I feel that I've, I mean, in real life I've matured, but I think that Baby Ray has matured. And I think it's actually that maturity that allowed my act, for instance, for me to be chosen to go to Montreal Burlesque Festival. Are we going to get there? But I'm, you yeah, the I know, but I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> that's, <laughs> that that growth, it really did. I think that before limiting myself in such a way, but also... I, yeah, I mean, I, I stepped up my game. I really did. But the maturity of my character and the maturity of me as an actual person, my muggle self, helped in that that maturity. It sounds like um, there's almost an element of freedom now as opposed to, you know, that, that, that thought process that was there in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's now perhaps <clears throat> a, a comfortability with oneself. And, you know, you're not... You're, you're not so green entering onto a stage. You know what that's all about. You know mm. you know what you want to bring. No, I think that you're right. I think that when I was developing the character, I was defining a character like you would write a character on a piece of paper. And I was saying, no, okay, Baby Ray wears this color and this color, and she only wears this kind of thing. And no, she doesn't wear that, you know? For instance, I know she doesn't dance to these kinds of songs, or she doesn't tell that kind of a story. Whereas now, actually... I mean, I was 21 when I started burlesque. That's very young. I was the youngest at that point. I don't want to say ever, but at that but, point, I was the youngest in my mm -hmm. class. So I was, I was very... I mean, what do you know about yourself at 21? Very, very, very <laughs> little, you know? Now, um, at my age now... Ha, you thought I was going to reveal it. <laughs> but now I feel that it's no longer a decision that I have to check on a piece of paper to ensure that I'm staying within character. That act, that character is actually within myself and that I feel completely comfortable and even safe in stepping out of that characterization, I suppose, and trying something different, you know, because I do believe that that's also where uh, performer strength lies mm -hmm. in trying something completely different to the the characterization that you've developed. I think that does lead to to growth and characters grow just like we do. I mean it's almost like the same I think with uh, musicians when they when you put out an album and then everybody like loves that album. They're just like, oh my gosh, like that's their sound and mm -hmm. you know you become synonymous with that. And then when you release like your second or your third album then everybody's kind of like uh, I wish that they would, you know, continue with that. Yeah, like that they would continue <laughs> with that style, you know, of that first album or second album that you treasured so much. I think as an artist, you, you, you're constantly creating because your life experiences um, actually influence what it is that you're putting out in your art. Mm hmm 100%. I think, like, good art is is transformative, it's cyclical, it's ever moving, it has to be constantly moving. That's, you know, that for me is the mark of 
of Godot. What are some of the aspects about being in a troupe that you particularly enjoyed? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be on, and everyone who was in the troupe with me, I think they knew that I actually didn't like being in a troupe. I didn't like doing group dances. But that goes for, that's why I'm asking, is because a lot of people like enter into the scene mm-hmm. by joining a troupe. Yeah. Um, but that's also not necessarily everybody's cup of tea. And it's not everybody's story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, but I'm, I'm grateful for it. Like, I am so grateful that I started out actually at a burlesque school. I think that having that foundation is very important. Even if it's just, you know, the ABCs, the bumping and the grind and the cross step, that's fine, you know. But I think that that was important for my burlesque journey. But yeah, I didn't enjoy being in a, I mean, I enjoyed being in a troupe, but I didn't enjoy necessarily, for instance, group numbers. That, for me, I struggled with because, like I mentioned at the time, my characterization was quite strict. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in burlesque, you, you get you get famous burlesque, I guess, tropes and iconography or whatever. And so it, there's a lot of black and there's a lot of red and there's a lot of lacy black and red. <laughs> and that wasn't Baby Ray. I felt like my character was compromised that I had to compromise on my character to do the group acts Mm -hmm. and that I felt like I was betraying my audience a little bit, you know, (laughs) like I would go up there and then have to do this group dance to the song that Baby Ray would never choose in an outfit that Baby Ray would never choose. And then two or three songs later, I would be there in my Baby Ray full on glory and giving them what I what I felt was the true version of this character. Mm-hmm. And so the, being in the group dances, I felt so inauthentic, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't want to lie to my fans. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had so many fans, but, you know. No. Uh, but, I mean, I can totally understand where you're coming from because, like, when one does think of any group dancing situation, and then particularly of the genre... You know, one automatically goes to, like, Vegas Showgirls um, and sort of, I suppose, the more modern-day version of that is um, the Crazy Horse mm-hmm. um, in Paris. Yeah. And, like, there is definitely a uniformity there in terms of look, in terms, you know, because the yeah. costumes, because everybody's got to, you know, have the same kind of high kick. There is, I suppose, that kind of feeling. And I suppose, like, what one, what I love about burlesque is because there's so many unique um, personalities and it is such a uh, an inclusive art form you do get the different characters it's almost like the Spice Girls in a way <laughs> you know what I mean when you think of like a band it's not Atomic Kitten it's the Spice Girls they're sporty they're scary yeah. there's baby yeah. you know so I feel like burlesque performances like burlesque group performances are a little bit like that even though there is it's a little bit uh, painted with a certain kind of uniformity. But I totally buy into the fact that, like, how can I... Especially when one is so, like, ingrained and committed to a character. Mm -hmm. Like, how how is my audience buying this when I just sold them that? Exactly. Or, like, oh, my gosh, are they really going to believe that I'm, like, this picturesque Lana Del Rey and, like, beautiful goddess sad girl, you know, when I've just been this, like, raunchy sex cat on a chair <laughs> in black, you know, like yeah. with lace gloves and, and fishnets. It's like, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't feel like, like I was being honest with them. 
You broke out of the band and became a solo artist. Right. Right. More like I was pushed out of the nest, but uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, would you say were some of the challenges that you experienced with this progression? Yeah, no, it was difficult. It was extremely difficult for me. I mean, like, I love burlesque. I love burlesque so, so, so much. You know, everything, every aspect of burlesque, I love. So to no longer have a troupe when I didn't feel confident or good enough or safe in the knowledge that I had enough of an audience to, you know, to have them come to anything that I would do solo, it was terrifying. I didn't know what the world of being a solo burlesque artist looks like, especially in South Africa, where burlesque artists can't necessarily make a profession out of just being a burlesque artist. You have to be a teacher or, you know, maybe you get a gig here and there, but you have to have a day job, which is really unfortunate, but that's just the way that it is currently here. So, you know, this isn't my day job. It's not my night job. Yeah, I, I've, I stumbled, but it's, you know, I'm actually extremely grateful now because it made me say yes to every single opportunity that came my way. And actually, my fans did stay true to me. You know, the people who did, who did love watching Baby Ray on stage, they did go to my next, the next show that I produced or the next place that I performed at. And that, I think, gave me the confidence that I needed to develop my character and become stronger in that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, for a while there, I was feeling completely alone and feeling like, oh my gosh, should I just abandon this, this whole idea of burlesque, you know? If I don't have this troupe behind me, if I don't have this teacher, if I don't have, you know, this kind of world behind me, can I really call myself a burlesque dancer? Mm -hmm. Since then, you ventured into producing burlesque shows and very successful ones at that. Um, and it actually saw the birth of the Baby Grand Burlesque Festival. This is true. Yeah. So what did you want to bring to the South African scene with this offering? Well, as a, as a newly solo performer, solo gigs are hard to come, to come by, whether you're a seasoned professional or a brand new professional out on, by, your, by yourself, you know. Um, and so actually I kind of decided I just wanted to build my own stage, you know, if no one was hiring me to dance, then I'll just have to build my own stage and dance for my own audience. So that's actually the very kind of, uh, at the base of it, kind of the selfish, mm -hmm. the selfish first seed of the idea of Baby Grand. And of course with yourself being, you know, the ultimate inspiration in the whole, <laughs> the whole project, my co-producer. For me, I definitely was inspired by by you, to be honest. Uh, who's this yourself you are speaking of? <laughs> <laughs> by you, Pillow Talk. Tisa. <laughs> Guilty's charge. Yeah, I was inspired by you and I'm, I'm, I'm continually inspired by you because you don't see burlesque in South Africa as this tiny little community that is stagnant and, and not growing and or growing very slowly. For you, burlesque is this worldwide phenomenon and you believe that everybody has the right and the ability to reach out and to touch that world. That's true. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, you think I'm dating you for nothing? You think I don't know you? Yeah, so... Not for my good looks and charm. Oh, well, that too, honey. <laughs> so you, you definitely made me believe that 
you know, actually, actually what they're doing overseas, what burlesque producers are doing overseas is not unreachable for us. And if I was watching burlesque shows and videos and YouTube videos and following performers before you, you definitely had me follow and watch and attend 70% more shows and follow more artists than I ever had before. So with all of this access to this new international material, to, to watching what, what others were doing overseas, you know, you got me thinking that actually we could, we could create something like that here. Mm -hmm. And I think that it will help elevate, elevate burlesque and push performers here to grow themselves as individuals, even if they are still in a burlesque school. And kind of, which is what I was lacking when I was, you know, at attending a burlesque school. I felt like there wasn't enough space for me to grapple with and kind of find my own individual characterization so much, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I figured, you know what, let's actually give other artists like myself who are trying to be independent artists in South Africa this major opportunity to also have a stage that they can call their own, that they don't need the permission from a school, they don't need a permission of a group, they don't need the permission of an agent. They are simply invited because they are, you mm -hmm. know, and they were independent artists just like I was who inspired me and made me feel like this is actually possible. That's really incredible. I think what Baby Grant does, because it references um, the international burlesque scene, I think that it also is a great preparation for artists who do want to go abroad and take part and feel confident in taking part in festivals abroad. 100%. You know, I mean, when I was busy doing research, and I think I had... It wasn't the first year of Baby Grand that I applied for Montreal, was it? No. No, it was the second, second year. Second, yeah. Okay, so the second year was actually when we introduced the the concept of the crowning. Yes. Yeah. So it was during that year that I actually started looking at international burlesque festivals. And, you know, I didn't feel brave enough to apply just yet, but I was going through and researching how exactly you go about applying. And that for me was actually... a like a rude awakening. I had no idea that that actually the process of applying to an international burlesque festival can actually be uh, really stressful and that actually a lot is asked of you in those applications and it does ask you to be of a particular standard. You have to feel like you are good enough to apply for this and mm -hmm. you do have to be good enough to be accepted, mm -hmm. you know, and also different producers around the world are looking for a different type of burlesque to showcase in their festival. Mm -hmm. But for me, that was just so, so, so eye-opening. And I just figured, you know what? Here I am, this like little chick in South Africa, and I, have no, I had no idea that the kind of application process was so grueling. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, people here need to practice. Yeah. People here need to practice so that they can apply to overseas burlesque festivals. And I feel like they need to practice with Baby Grand. Mm -hmm. And let's make Baby Grand a crowning festival, make it a competition, yeah. make the audience vote for a queen. And I think that that will not only ask performers to actually up their game, you know, bring their best, bring the best version of themselves. You're competing against the best of the best in our industry, you know, and you're getting feedback from the best of the best and you're getting the support of the best of the best. Mm -hmm. And that for me is 
such an amazing opportunity for growth. Always. Uh, I don't know where I'm going with this, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Applying, seeing how the application process worked overseas, that actually for me is what spurred the, you know what, actually let's model this more and more as we go on, on the international burlesque festivals overseas. That this is what they're demanding of their local or international artists, mm -hmm. and we should be doing the same. There's, of course, the element of, well, who's going to judge this, you know? <laughs> and one of the unique elements that I feel with Baby Grand Burlesque Festival is that it is, in fact, judged by the audience, which I also think is, uh, is very um, relevant because it's like we want to, as much as we want to show uh, and educate our South African audience, we also kind of want to get their feedback, and it's a great way of getting feedback in terms mm -hmm. of, so what would you like to see, and also what are you seeing when you're experiencing the performances on stage? Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the decision, that decision was actually taken for another reason completely, <laughs> and that was because we didn't, we honestly didn't know who we would choose to judge. The group, I suppose, of independent artists, um, burlesque artists in South Africa is so small, I guess. It kind of felt very unfair to place like one or two or three people at the center of it and, you know, told to judge people and then cr like crown them. When actually some dancers have as much experience as the teachers or the people who brought burlesque to South Africa at this mm -hmm. point. I mean, it's changed over the last couple of years, but when I entered burlesque, there was a little bit of like a of a rivalry going on between the different burlesque schools, you know, no, we're not with that school, oh no, we would never be with that school, no, mm -hmm. I'm with this school, and you know, school pride, mm -hmm. <laughs> I guess, and so I didn't want to take the two, you know, burlesque teachers of, of both of those schools and tell them to be the judges, Yeah, because they would be judging their own students, you know, which also wouldn't be fair in a competition situation so I just felt actually the fairest way to go about doing it is through the audience mm -hmm. um, I think that that's fair for now and, and yeah I think you're quite right it is interesting yeah. and it does demand that our audience actually look at our art in a different way in a yeah. as a as a as athletes like as competitors you yeah. know as artists I think especially in South Africa it's a great way to encourage um, involvement mm. in, like, to, to not just, like, be a, a, a standby person. Yeah, like a passive audience. A passive audience, yeah. exactly. It requires you to pay attention, to also, like, go into yourself and be like, well, what do I like? Like, exactly. how is this to, to that emotion that the artist just made you feel, to actually, like, look at it and be like, wow, okay, that moved me because mm. I was, like, I really loved the way that they got me going because the choreography is on point and, like, damn, I wish I could mm -hmm. dance like that. Like, it just, it, it brings a connection that I think is very relatable um, and is needed for our audiences and especially with this art form. Yeah. And like what you said about it, like it, it forces the audience to ask themselves what they like, mm -hmm. which is so important, especially when you're, when you're like looking at these different, different characters on a stage and that just perpetuates, um, fandom of a particular dancer, for mm -hmm. instance, you know, somebody performs at baby grand and then the next minute, you know, they have whatever, 50 new followers and then you know, they feel confident enough to put themselves in a new show or create their own show because they have this they have this feeling that they have a backing, you know, which yeah. is just so cool. I mean, you should go and do that. 
yeah. you know, and they should, artists should know that, that they are supported and that people love you. It's always so awesome when you walk on the stage and you and the audience is on your side. Oh, yeah. You know, like, they're rooting for you from the get-go. Mm. Yeah. They're rooting for you, like, behind the scenes. You know, they they like yeah. they know you behind the curtains. They know you're in the dressing room. And they are, like, waiting on the edge of their seat for you to come out. Yeah. And perform for them. And that is, like, that's the kind of culture that I want to establish, especially yeah. with Baby Grand, you know. And, unfortunately, we had to cancel <clears throat> Baby Grand 5. Five? Yes. Yeah, Baby Grand Five. But, you know, um, I'm still not going to give it away now, but we had, you know, definite plans to inspire that fandom even more. Um, mm-hmm. Political, because I'm sure you're aware, you know, with the, the thing and the... Mm-hmm. And the, and the, the thing of the thing. The, the thingy and the... <laughs> and the, and the, and the <laughs> 2021, coming at you. Baby Grand you know, Burlesque Festival, reap. Loaded. Exactly. So we had plans to once again inspire South African audiences to to actually appreciate and create this kind of fandom so that, so that these artists feel really supported, you know. And also, it costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money. And our fans just need to, you know, attend more shows and support us more. Yeah. So. You performed in 2019 at the Montreal Burlesque Festival mm-hmm. um, on the Lily St. Cyr night. Um, what was that experience like for you? Oh my gosh. It actually, you know what? When I was in it, it actually wasn't that overwhelming. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know that people say that you should you should never stop feeling nervous before you go on stage. But actually, I don't feel that nervous before I go on stage anymore. In general? In general. You know, I feel slight butterflies. Maybe I feel more nervous actually like the day before than on the actual day. So it was the same with Montreal Burlesque Festival. I was feeling slight butterflies, but I mean, we were also traveling and seeing so much burlesque and we were, you know, sick and <laughs> <laughs> and we were, you know, we, we were actually like quite exhausted by the time we landed in Montreal. So <laughs> there was no space for nerves. There really wasn't any space for nerves, you know, and also it was our first time in Canada and in Montreal in particular, and we had a city to see, mm-hmm. you know, I, we couldn't just sit in the hotel or find a place to rehearse or me stress about what my hair is going to look like. We had to go and see the sights, you know? So there really was no time for nerves. I wanted to see Montreal before I performed in Montreal. Mm -hmm. And that's what we did. So by the time the evening came, oh my gosh, it was... I actually felt ready. I Mm -hmm. felt ready. I felt I actually didn't feel out of my depth Mm -hmm. because I... From my research beforehand and watching these international shows, I knew that people brought a different level mm-hmm. to international burlesque festivals. And I think I prepared myself well with the resources that I had at the time. I did make sure that my costume was perfect and that it was a little bit more flamboyant than any other costume I had had previously. Mm-hmm. I did make sure that we had practiced that giant-ass hairdo so that my hair was visible from the stage. I made sure to wear heavy, chunky jewelry that would shine and blind people in the eyes. You know, I, I felt very prepared and that I looked the part. And you know what? I do believe in faking it until you make it. And no one in that room had to know that I felt 
in any way insecure or uncomfortable or not prepared. I did not want them to know that. Mm -hmm. I wanted them to think that this is what I do all the time and that I travel the world and perform in burlesque festivals all around the world. And yes, (laughs) I might be from South Africa, but they have no idea what the scene is like in South Africa. And I want them to think that I dance every single day in front of audiences of hundreds and hundreds and that I get paid a fortune to do so. And so that is what I had people believe. And that is the attitude that I walked into the festival having. And I think that I put on an A-class book. I definitely, I I agree with that. (laughs) I couldn't have said it better myself. And, you know, it might, I don't know, there might be some listeners out there who think that it's a bit of bias. And I'm okay with that, actually. Um, You know, because it has been, like, I've seen you dance from from the very beginning to seeing you go onto the stage at Montreal, like that journey from one place to to that moment, everything that you've said, like I hundred percent stand by. Right. Know? Because right. I mean you're you're my partner, so you also you feel a lot of what I feel. And so when I say this, I, I hope it I mean maybe it does sound cocky and whatever then it does. But like if you ever find yourself in in that in that situation if you're a performer and you're listening i hope that you actually take that on you know what i just said in prepping yourself up to the extent where you do feel like the most confident person in the world because mm-hmm. that is how you will how you will stand up against international artists you know yeah. and i think that you pillow talk as my partner you felt that same energy in me yeah you know i might have been more nervous and more you know kind of you know obviously you know the truth of me to my core, <laughs> so you could most likely tell that I was feeling nervous, but at the same time, I think that that you picked up on that energy, mm-hmm. that I was feeling ready and prepared, and definitely, you know, I felt like I could stand my own against these other people. Definitely. Like, knowing how to, when someone says they're nervous, there's almost like, you have, you understand how to deal with that, but when someone's feeling, like, confident and ready, it's like, <laughs> okay, it, it feels a bit weird to just stand back and let it be. You yeah. know, which is actually, I think, what happened at, in, in that moment. Yeah, actually, I'm, it's coming back to me. I think you were a little bit more nervous than I was. Because I was wondering, I'm like, are you, so, I, I was like, are you that nervous where you're not saying, where you're actually not comfortable to tell me how you really feel? But then I was like, but I don't think so, because if you were, you'd say. So I naturally thought that, I think you're, I think you're right. Like, you're dealing quite well with this whole with the magnitude of the moment, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I thought, okay, cool. Like, just step back and watch it and let it be, which is exactly what I did, but it felt super strange. (laughs) Because we do so much. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. We do so much together. And for you to have to leave me at the door of the backstage, (laughs) that felt so strange to me because in our shows you're allowed backstage you're allowed on stage you set up the stage yeah so to leave and i know you, all those people i you know. know exactly <laughs> so to like leave you in the audience while i went backstage i remember feeling you know slightly weird about that like that wasn't right that you should have been backstage but then you would have missed the performance and i mean you did have a backstage pass but <laughs> i'm glad you sat where you sat i got front row seats to an amazing show and you did an epic job of it and I mean, I got to meet amazing artists. I mean, I got to take burlesque classes with Miss Tosh and Frankie Fictitious and, you know, meet incredible artists like Egypt Black Nile and Veda Rhinestone. 
Lady Josephine. Lady Josephine. Oh my God. You know, and uh, Miami Minx. Yeah. I mean, just like fantastic, fantastic artists. And we had just seen, uh, that whole trip was just full of, I mean, we saw every single one of our idols, our burlesque idols in yeah. those four weeks. We really did. Yeah, we did. It was did. such an honor. <laughs> hey? Like, we saw so much burlesque. I don't, I actually, it blows my mind. We would watch burlesque, like, every single night. Yeah. I think we probably saw, I don't know, more than, like, 150 artists, to yeah. tell you the truth. Like, if we, if yeah. we start, if we had to count, there would be more than 150 artists. That's a lot of Maybe. boobs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shitload of boobs. <laughs> so, 2020 turns its head, mm. and unfortunately, um... The Baby Grand Burlesque Festival, the fifth edition of that, had to be postponed. And in fact, it's now going to be happening in 2021. Yeah. Um, but it also saw the creation of Oh Baby Productions, mm-hmm. which actually kind of started as a fundraising event for our trip <laughs> to, to get us to Montreal and to the festival um, and to enjoy some international burlesque. So what have you been up to? with Obey Productions during 2020, during the pandemic, and what else can we expect from Baby Ray for the rest of the year? <laughs> oh, please, fresh hell. <laughs> yeah, 2020 was hell of a year. Hell of a year. Is, <laughs> is hell of a year. Oh, yeah, look at me talking about it in past tense, like I just want it to be over. I mean, we started off with producing Baddie, which is going to be a monthly show, and still will be a monthly burlesque show, which is kind of the idea behind Baddie is the total opposite of Baby Grand Burlesque Festival. So uh, there's quite, you know, strict, I guess, um, criteria that you that one has to meet in order to be considered for Baby Grand Burlesque Festival. But for Baddie, there is no criteria. Anything goes, and any performer, whether you have one week experience or 11 years of experience, you are welcome to just say that you want to perform and you will be invited to perform there's no application process it's basically you know anyone is welcome to perform and it's an opportunity for us to also meet new artists and to to see what people are working on and there are no set themes or any kind of uh, type of burlesque you know it's any it's honestly anything goes and it's an amazing opportunity it's not a ticketed event you know people can just walk past and buy tickets at the door so you know, for some... Maybe like, not like a, a pre-sold ticket. Not a pre-sold Not like ticket. formalized in that manner. Exactly. So yeah. I feel like it's it's even more... I mean, we try and make um, Baby Grand as inclusive as possible, but Baddie is even more so for just people, you know, who stumble upon burlesque. Mm-hmm. And they don't necessarily know enough about burlesque to know maybe that there's a festival dedicated mm-hmm. to it, you know. So yeah, we started the year off with Baddie, which was amazing. Oh my gosh, we got to see like some amazing... Some amazing work at our first baddie. And then I think that's really when we when we cemented, you know, the title of Baby Grand. I mean, Oh Baby Productions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's only official when you make a social media page, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's not complicated. <laughs> so that's, I guess, when we started our Instagram page for Oh Baby Productions. And then, yeah, um, COVID-19 hit and... While we weren't done producing shows, right? And the show doesn't stop. So we then produced quarantines. Yeah. And we actually produced three different quarantine shows. Two so of them were three days. 
Yeah, so that was, it's, it was three shows, but seven days in total. Yeah, so, and they were a couple of weeks apart, but we showcased many international artists, as well as some of our local burlesque artists, and it was actually incredible. You know, it was kind of at the beginning of lockdown where artists were really struggling. Like, we didn't really know where the venues were going to open up. We had no idea about the future of anything at that point. And I think we also just wanted to, like, try something new. Yeah, but I think a lot of people were kind of like, okay, so I think that this is how burlesque is going to have to happen now. Mm -hmm. And people were willing to just give it a try, and Mm -hmm. we were still working out what kind of platforms to use. Mm -hmm. So we chose Instagram Live, which, you know, now in hindsight was a terrible idea because they they eventually picked up on the fact that we were using copyrighted music. But that first show, and even mostly the second show, went off without a hitch, Mm -hmm. using Instagram Live from... Halfway across the world, you know, we had these artists from everywhere, huge artists with like name and game and fucking years under their tassels. Like these were fucking legends. And here they were in our lounge through our phones Uh talking to us and performing alongside our international superstars here. And that for me was just absolutely incredible and just so in line with what we were, what we've been trying to do anyway with Baby Grand, you know. Mm-hmm. We're trying to lift ourselves up to an international level. And I think that that includes showing our locals what the international level looks like, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So we've got to showcase what, what that means. And I think that that's what Quarantines did. And it also was an amazing opportunity to dance next to some of these people, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy cow. It was really, really cool. And so, yeah, that was the first one and the second one. And then the third one, we did um, the Down Under edition. Down Under edition. So we did an Australian version. And that was really amazing. I mean, we got to, I mean, even if they couldn't make the performance, we were now in email conversation with some of the people that we have been looking up to for years, Mm -hmm. which in and of itself was, you know, a gift enough for me. I could have gone to sleep very happy knowing that I was just emailing Porcelain Alice, for goodness sake, you know. (laughs) It's like my dream come true. (laughs) So so for the rest of this year, I have one thing in particular that is very exciting. I wouldn't say for the rest of the year. Yeah, uh, right, we're not finished yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, but no, it's far from done, darling. Oh my gosh, sorry. Once again, I just want it to be over. It feels like November. Doesn't it feel like November? I know. It, yeah, like it's... it's. I'm like, they're going to put up Christmas decorations soon. But that's okay for us because I'm kind of like... I, ju- I just want the sun to come right. out yeah. <laughs> at the very least. Yeah. I'm like, um, whatever lockdown and restriction they can be, can I just please do it in the sun? Right. Yeah, so, well, the next exciting thing that's coming up for Baby Ray is that I have been invited to perform at the New York Burlesque Festival. Which will be happening um, online. Yep, so it's a virtual burlesque festival, and I, you know, applied and sent through my video, and yeah, they have, they want me to perform, so... That's <laughs> super exciting. I mean, the fact that we were there last year, yeah, watching artists on their stage, meeting the producers, like going to the after party, and now fainting at the after party, fainting at the after party. <laughs> oh my goodness, Hello, it was just jet lag. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, shout out to Francine the Dream. <laughs> yeah, Francine the Lucid Dream. Shout out to you, thanks for the Luna Bar that got the blood sugar up. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, so 
yeah, the fact that we were just there last year and now I'll be performing in the festival. And yeah, it's virtual, but, you know, I think that it's still incredible. And I can't wait. I mean, I've seen the artists, obviously I've seen the artists that I'm performing with and, whoo, you know. Jeez, you haven't even told me the artists that you perform with. <laughs> this is news to me, everybody. <laughs> oh, didn't I show you the email with you? No. Oh, goodness. <sighs> Sorry. The things that happen. <laughs> Okay, well, just so you know, it's freaking good. Yeah, so we currently are filming, we'll be filming this weekend, um, my solo at the beautiful Raptor Room, another shout out. We'll be using the space to film my my act and then I'll send you the video and then I guess, yeah, keep an eye out for the festival. It's going to be in October. Maybe I think the first week of October or something. Okay. But yeah, New York Burlesque Festival, go and have a look. Hopefully I get my video in in time. <laughs> I'll make sure you do. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so that's the next exciting thing to happen. I'm, I'm very, very, very happy. I think that at this point, you know, I might just have to make it a goal to perform in, in an international burlesque festival once a year going forward. Hey, I'm down with that. <laughs> just so you know, I sign me up. Just tell me where the dotted line. I'm going to mark my X. Yeah, so that's that's that news. Um yeah, oh so my gosh, guess... and we have our current show. Yeah, so then we also have a really exciting show coming up that both Pillow Talk and myself are producing. So the show is tomorrow, yeah. Saturday, the 22nd of August, and it's called Homecoming. And we have this incredible cast, um, an all-women-of-color cast. We have dancers from Chicago, from Montreal, Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas. And then, of course, from our locals from Johannesburg and from Cape Town. Like, this is an incredible bunch of artists. I am so excited for this show. Uh, yeah, so tickets are available at Quicket. You can find them in my profile, in Oh Baby Productions bio, as well as in Pillow Talks bio. And we really hope that you can make it to the show. It's going to be so freaking spicy. I mean, like... Don't you wish you were a fly on the wall in our rehearsals? Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah, do do more than be a fly on the wall. Like, buy a ticket, attend the show, show your support, because you know what? Like, if you don't get a ticket, all you're going to do is miss out. All of these online shows have just, you know, given us life, really. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm actually just so grateful. Anytime, anytime artists, you know, are willing to give off their time, especially mm -hmm. online. And performing online is really difficult. Yeah. You don't have that same energy that you get from the audience. You feel that distance. You do. I mean, it's absolutely, you know, you do. You feel distance from the audience. Maybe you don't feel your best because you haven't been out in the world. and Maybe you've been quite, like, you know, stagnant at home. And maybe you're, maybe you're not that in inspired at the moment. And... And maybe you're, you, you know, that's also okay. Maybe you're just resting up, which is also something that we drastically need. Mm -hmm. So to have a show on the horizon and people who are willing to bring that energy to a show is so invigorating for us as producers as well. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just so grateful. So I think that brings our interview to a close. Baby oh, Ray. I want to keep talking. We can, we've got, <laughs> we got our whole lives to talk, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you baby ray for joining me on what's the tease thank you so much for having me on your wonderful and extremely successful podcast i feel absolutely honored <laughs>
Touché. Not touché, that's not the right thing to say, is it? <laughs> I believe you're blushing. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so thank you once again. And we will be tuned into everything that you're doing from here on out, as we always are. Thanks. Yeah, just want to say, follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook. I do have a Patreon. I'm not very good at it, but, you know, if I got more patreons maybe i would start being good at it <laughs> so you know come on send me some inspiration and give me a follow on there too yeah if you're a local artist um or even not and you just want to reach out to me i i offer uh, free mentorship programs um and just mentorship in general so if you ever want to talk about an act flesh and act out flesh characterization develop a character talk about costumes anything to that effect I am completely open to giving you any and all advice and I can so yeah reach out to me I'm completely open to you awesome so thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of what's the tease sealing with the kiss seal it with the kiss mm. <laughs> 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 <laughs>